So today we're carrying on our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're at the seventh aspect. It's gone by very quick. We've reached faithfulness. As we start, let's remind ourselves again that while we are considering them separately, these terms are not isolated. They entwine together to form the single fruit of the Spirit. That while we are focused on faithfulness this morning, we'll see reflections of love, of patience and kindness, of goodness and self-control. And let's remember that these are not things that we do, but rather aspects of the nature of God that he grows in our lives by his Holy Spirit. Well, at the same time, we are called to cultivate the soil of our nature to bring forth his fruit. So, faithfulness. What's, what does faithfulness conjure in your mind? Let's have some words that we'd associate with faithfulness. You can shout them out. This is a pop quiz. <laughs> a promise keeper. Loyal. Trustworthy. Consistency. I like these words. Any more? Enduring. This is uh, a definition that uh, I think comes from the book that we've been using as our guide. I'm, I have to admit, I prepared this a little while ago and I can't actually remember where I got it from, but <laughs> I think it did. Uh, this definition I really like trustworthy and dependable over a long period of time. Let's just break it down for a minute. Trustworthy. This is where honesty and integrity come in. A person who is trustworthy does what they say they'll do. And then dependable brings in reliability, loyalty, someone who's always there when you need them. And then finally, we have over a long period of time, we need consistency and longevity in order to have faithfulness. You can't just be faithful on a Tuesday. So we can see that faithfulness then is pretty deeply embedded within someone's nature. We can't really have acts of faithfulness. It's an ongoing, honest loyalty to a person or a cause day in and day out. Indeed, one of the definitions from the dictionaries refers to the sexual faithfulness required in marriage. We can see that faithfulness embodied in the traditional vows. 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 What's wrong with consonants? That's what I say. Sorry, the traditional vows of the marriage service to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part. 
And although our definition doesn't actually include the word faith, you wouldn't be surprised to learn that the original meaning of faithful is someone who is full of faith. And although this definition has long since fallen out of use, it's still quite helpful in considering this. For you need faith to be faithful. You need faith to stick with someone when your relationship isn't going well. You have to believe that there can be better days ahead to keep pushing on, to keep turning up. And it's when we lose faith that we become unfaithful. But let's turn to the Bible. For if we want to consider faithfulness as it pertains to the fruit of the Spirit, we need to go to its source, to God himself. In the passage in Deuteronomy that Andrew read to us, Moses declares, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And later on in Deuteronomy, in the passage that's known as the Song of Moses, we find this note of praise. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just, a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Those words probably sound quite familiar. Both those passages are often quoted and often woven into our songs and hymns. But while this idea of a faithful God is very familiar to us. It could have been quite shocking to the people of antiquity. For ancient people, gods were not known for their faithfulness, quite the reverse. They were capricious. They might bless you one minute with a good harvest, only to sweep it away in a flood the next. You didn't know where you stood day by day with your gods. You were their playthings to be built up or torn down for their amusement. As an ancient, uh, ancient person, you worshipped the gods out of fear for what they would do if you didn't. You were like the sycophant to the despot, eager to please so that someone else would be thrown to the dogs for their amusement. And yet here is the God of the Hebrews. He is not arbitrary. He not only cares for justice, but he has made a covenant, a binding agreement with these people. 
and he holds his end of the covenant. He made a promise to Abraham and he fulfills it by bringing the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And not only that, God remains faithful to his covenant, even in the teeth of unfaithfulness on the part of Israel. He has made a covenant of love, as we're told in Deuteronomy, and love goes above and beyond. God's love is tested by grumbling and rebellion in the wilderness. It's tested further by the slide into immorality and spiritual apathy in the time of the judges. And it's stretched to breaking point by the failures and the apostasy of the kings of Israel and Judah. Yet when it seems that God has lost patience with Israel and Judah, and he sends them into exile, he still remains faithful to his promise to Abraham. He declares to Jeremiah, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God was not finished with Israel. His covenant of love, his plan of redemption, it was never contingent on Israel's obedience, just as it was never really about Israel's geographical security or material abundance. As we know, as we now know, God's love and his faithfulness runs much, much deeper than these things. So as Jeremiah sits among the ruins of Jerusalem and weeps for the death and the suffering that has come upon Judah, he is able to say this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Perhaps we'll pause. because Maybe this morning you are in a similar space. Perhaps things haven't worked out as you hoped. A missed promotion, 
loss of a job, a broken relationship, a rejection letter, injury, illness, or bereavement, unanswered prayers. Maybe you are struggling with the idea that God is faithful when what you feel is that he has abandoned you. How can we know that God is faithful when we live in a world that often seems faithless? Well, we can know because of Jesus. In the letter to the Hebrews, the writer says this of Jesus. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. A priest is an intermediary between the people and God. He brings the people's thanks, their praise, and their repentance to God and he ministers God's mercy and forgiveness to them. A normal person could never truly perform this task because they themselves are sinful. They're faithless to God's covenant. They have slavery to death. So God sends Jesus fully God and yet fully human, to be our faithful high priest. Faithful to God, for he remained obedient to the Father, withstanding every temptation to be his own master, even to death on the cross. And he remains faithful to us. Think back to the trustworthy saying from our second reading this morning. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And that statement comes with the reason, for he cannot disown himself. When you come to Christ, he gives you his spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, as Paul says in Ephesians. No matter what happens or what you do, Christ remains faithful to his work of salvation in you. This assurance, this guarantee, enabled Paul to make this resounding declaration at the end of Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter how difficult 
or bleak life gets. We can rest assured that God is still faithful and is still working for you. As Paul says earlier in the same chapter, oh, which I don't have a slide for. <laughs> and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Okay, so let's, let's take a moment to recap what we've covered so far. We've seen how faithfulness is the pattern of God's behavior toward us. Indeed, it is part of his very nature. And we have seen how it is perfectly expressed in Jesus, who is therefore our perfect example of faithfulness. And we have seen how faithfulness, the faithfulness of God, has led him to place his Holy Spirit within us as a guarantee of that same faithfulness. So can it be any wonder then that faithfulness is a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit that God seeks to grow in our lives? Okay, fine. But how do we apply this? How can we cultivate faithfulness? We've already noted that faithfulness is demonstrated over a long period of time. So there is no simple application steps that I can offer you today. No easy, let's all go out and practice faithfulness this week. Instead, I want us to focus on faithfulness in these three areas of our lives. Faithfulness as a disciple, then faithfulness in community, and thirdly, faithfulness as a pilgrim. So let's consider what it means to be faithful as a disciple. Here, I'm going to be brief because Edith already spoke extensively on discipleship in her sermon on goodness, a tremendous sermon on goodness last week. Instead, I want to draw our attention to a passage in Ephesians, and I'm going to switch to the message as it gets right to the point. Watch what God does, and then you do it, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So, quite simply, being a disciple means watching what God does and copying it. And being faithful as a disciple means keeping on watching what God does and copying it. Just as a child learns proper behavior from their parents, hopefully, as they grow up. As Adit mentioned last week, watching what God does involves spending time with him. 
through reading, meditating, studying the Bible, through prayer, and also through seeing God at work. And the primary place where we see God at work is in the community of believers into which God brings us. As Peter reminds us in his first letter, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We are to love each other deeply and to use our gifts to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace. Well, how can we do this? Firstly, we must recognize that what we have from God, whether it's natural abilities, resources, or spiritual gifting, mercy, forgiveness, and freedom for that matter, these are not ours to do with as we please. We are to administer them according to God's purposes and for his glory. And secondly, the principal sphere in which we use these gifts is in the community of believers where God has placed us, here for us in Granville Chapel, where we are to serve one another. Look at the example that Peter gives. Yep. Sorry, I'm confusing myself. Look <laughs> at the example that Peter gives. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's a, a saying that guests always bring a blessing, either in their coming or in their going. It's very easy sometimes to offer hospitality and then regret it. But here, Peter goes to the heart of the matter. We are to do these things in the love of God. So easy, isn't it? You know, you have someone to dinner and afterwards it's like, well, they didn't offer to clean up. Like, you know, they didn't say thank you. You know, I'll never get that stain out of the carpet, right? This is not how we're to be. We are to serve one another in love. And thirdly, we're to serve faithfully. So you get back to faithfulness in the end. We're to serve faithfully. This means in season and out of season, when we feel like it, and when we don't, for what we can give and not what we can get, 
And we stick with our community in the tough times as well as in the times of blessing. The past three years have been challenging for us here at Granville Chapel. With COVID, with Andy's home call, with the call away of Paul, Mike and David, it has been a challenging time. But we've also seen many stepping up or continuing to serve with faithfulness. So thank you. And let's continue to faithfully serve one another to the glory of God. Finally, let's consider faithfulness as a pilgrim. The idea of pilgrimage has seen quite a revival in recent years. Many of the ancient pilgrim trails are attracting people who are seeking a spiritual experience or at least an escape from the hurry of modern life. But this morning I want to think about the spiritual pilgrimage of our lives. Hear what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Paul is using the analogy of a tent to describe our earthly lives. So, just as a diversion, um, as many of you know, Rachel and I have taken up backpacking in the last couple of years, and we're really quite proud of our little tent. And here it is. Um, that's not a snowfield, that is actually clouds, which we were looking over. Um, that, that's the good view of a tent, but if I turn the tent the other way, that was where we were on that occasion. I'm quite proud of that one. Um, but this week, we were going to go and uh, hike Elfin Lakes up in Garibaldi Park. And hiking in Garibaldi Park in July is usually means... Uh, mosquitoes. And so, for those of you who don't know, I tend to react quite badly to mosquito bites. So, Rachel very kindly prayed that we would have no bugs on this trek. And sure enough, we did not, because it poured with rain. And so uh, we got to, we got to I, I didn't actually have one of the tent because you can't see rain in a photo, but I thought that was more 
illustrative of uh, the climate. Yes, it was wet. And so we got to uh, put up our tent, our little tent, in the rain. And it's very clever, this little tent. It's a really marvelous piece of engineering where you can put up the fly and then get in underneath and put up the tent inside. And you can do all this sort of clever stuff to try and keep dry. Um, it's quite entertaining. And, and every, every backpacking trip has been an experience. It's been great. But no matter how much we enjoy these trips, and enjoyment is so often appreciated in the past tense, right? It's, you look back on them with fondness. Um, but no matter how much we've enjoyed these trips, there's always a huge pleasure in coming home to a hot shower and to a comfortable bed. And, and that is what Paul is getting at in his illustration what we have here in this life is like the tent, temporary. A shelter that offers not much protection in the storms. It's often difficult and uncomfortable. But what we look forward to is a real home with God, permanent and eternal. The pilgrim who grows comfortable at a stop along the trail will cease to be a pilgrim. To stay faithful, they have to keep moving on. Therefore, as faithful pilgrims, we need to keep our eyes on the destination. What we have here is not our true home. In a world where the pursuit of material wealth and security has become the measure of success, we are called to hold what we have here lightly. We are to remain faithful to Christ's heavenward call. As Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we are so thankful that you are a faithful God who sticks with us even when we prove faithless, who keeps forgiving and calling us onward. Help us to see faithfulness in our lives. Help us to know the fruit of your spirit as you cultivate it, as you cause it to grow in our lives. Help us to be willing to make the changes that bring glory and praise to your name. Lord, you who are faithful, help us 
to be faithful in service of you. In Jesus' name.